Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. This morning, let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1. And I want to, you know, I, it's, I was Father's Day and Mother's Day. I talked about how God uses mothers, but I'm not talking about fathers today. I got something different. So let's just say God uses men sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Philippians chapter 1. I want to talk to you, and I'm probably going to preach on this for at least three services, not, not specifically today's title, but on this subject. But I want to talk to you about this Bible hope versus natural hope. So that we get a a picture of this Bible hope versus natural hope. We'll begin in Philippians chapter 1. And uh, if you have a Bible, go there with me. If not, just listen to this or look it up on your phone. Uh, Philippians 1.19, Paul said, For I know that this shall turn. How many know there's sometimes things need to turn in our life? And he, and, and he didn't say, I think this will turn. He said, I know it's going to turn. To my salvation, through your prayer, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now you understand that at this particular time, he's in prison right now. But he said, things are going to turn through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit. See, prayer brings a supply of the Spirit to your life. Anybody need anything to turn? Well, Paul gave us the recipe here. He said, I know it's going to turn for me through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit. He knew they were praying for him. But how many know you don't have to wait for people to pray for you? How many know sometimes we say, well, I'll pray for you, brother, and then we never do? I'm not accusing you, but sometimes you got to watch that. If I tell somebody I'm going to pray for them, I usually write it down where I'll see it, so I do pray for them. Amen. Amen. Right? You know, or we, we, sometimes we see government officials or politicians, you know, and they have moments of prayer, silent moments. They don't say anything. Well, the last time I checked the Bible, prayer, you got to say something. Yeah. And you got to believe something. Right. Amen. So, you know, so, so, so how many know the supply of the Spirit or the Spirit of God? He said, I know this is going to turn. In verse 20, he said, it's according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall, be, I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now, if we read on, you know, he goes on and he says, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I, I cannot tell. For I'm in a strait between two, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Everybody say far better. Far better. You know, when your loved ones in the Lord go on, it's far better for them. And actually the word uh, where he says gain, it's gain. To die is gain. It means the word's promotion. They get promoted. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I'm living pretty good right now in this life. I don't know about you, but if you're not, I hope, I hope that, you know, that you do. But nothing compared to what's going to happen. Amen. So there's promotion coming. He said, 
Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. In verse 25, having this confidence, I know that I shall continue with you and your furtherance and joy of faith. I, you know, this, this is something that really you need to get a hold of. You really do. You know, a lot of times we think that we just have to take what life throws at us. But I'm going to tell you what, the devil's the God of this world, so I don't take anything the world throws at me as final authority. Can I have a better amen than that? I'm not accepting it just because it happened in life. I'm not accepting that everything that happens in my life is God's will for me. Because I know there's a devil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so I'm going to be alert about that. If it's come to kill, steal, or destroy me, I'm not accepting that. And Paul here is in prison, and they're going to take his life. But I want you to notice, he's the one that said, I'm deciding whether I'm going to stay or go, not the Roman government. That's rich. Hallelujah. Now, they, they may be telling him, we're going to take your life, we're going to take your head off. But he said, no, you're not. I'm going to decide whether I want to stay or I want to go. He said, I really want to go. That's what I really want to do. I really want to go because that would be far better for me. He said, but because you need my help, I'm going to stay and help you. Amen. What a man of God. Amen. I'm not sure I'm there yet. I mean, the Lord appeared to me and said, you can stay in Evansville and help the saints in Evansville or you can come to heaven. I think, hey, there's other people to help the saints in Evansville. Let's go see my mansion. Praise God. Amen. Amen. But what I want to talk about this morning is he talked about in verse 20, he called it his, my earnest expectation and hope. Now, notice the word earnest expectation. And he connects that with hope. This word literally means, you know, this is literally what hope is. Are you ready for this? Hope is, like he said, an earnest expectation. Listen now. It's an intense anticipation. Anybody older, old enough to remember the, the commercial? You know, I think it was like ketchup. What, Heinz ketchup? You turned it upside down, it wouldn't come out. Anticipation is making me wait. You know, I never did care for those. You remember the, remember the, the, the uh, uh, glass bottles? That's all we had. You'd have to beat them on the side, you know. When they finally did decide to come out, just pfft. It's like, you know, it all come out at once. How many remember those? Sure, you'd bang it on the side and finally you got it. Go. Listen, uh, I'll give me the squeeze bottle any day. I think, that, I think that was a good invention. Amen. But, you know, anticipation. What does it mean? Well, intense anticipation. That means I'm... I'm, I'm see, we're going to define hope today. The difference between Bible hope and natural hope. And he, and he calls it a, a, a earnest expectation. Or if you look it up in the Greek, it means an intense in, anticipation. Uh, listen to this. this. It's been defined as this, and this is a good definition. An extreme expectation of good. Wow. So what's that do with something, you know, I hope so? See, it blows that out of the water. See... How many know when we say, when a woman's pregnant, what do we say? She's, uh, what is she expecting? She's expecting things to change, right? Things are getting ready to change in the household. Amen. Good, bad, and ugly, all right? But it's going to change, right? It's not going to stay the same. Mostly good, right? But yet, you know, I mean, you, you, you know things are, you prepare, right? You prepare. We had a lady in this church, they moved away. In another state now, but I remember her and her husband were trying to have a baby for, for a number of years. I don't know how many it was, but a number of years we prayed for them, believed God, put our faith on it with them. And you know what she did? She went home and, one, you know, they were just a, the two of them. That's all that was in the house. Is that right? There were just two of them in the house. And, uh, you know, 
sheep took one of their rooms and turned it into a nursery. And I mean, I think they've been trying, if I got it right, I could be wrong about this, but it's close. I think they've been trying for eight years. And so, you know, we believe God with them, prayed with them, you know, and then in the day they got two. Amen. And so, but, but she, she did something. She had some expectation. She wasn't just saying, you know, well, we'll just see what happens. We'll see if something happens, if God does something or not. No, she was expecting God to do something. And she prepared for it. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm expecting heaven to come. I'm preparing for it. Praise God. I'm going someplace when I die. I'm not like this guy that just said just recently, he's a, I won't name his name. I don't want to slander him. But recently, you know, he was a politician and he's a movie star and all that, you know, celebrity. And they asked him what happens when you're dead. He said, when you're dead, you're just dead. That's it. It's over with. Well, man, life would be pretty, 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 pretty depressing if that's all there was to it. I'm having a good time living life, but I don't want to think that, it's all, that I only got just so many years that keeps clicking down. You like a jug of milk, there's an expiration date on you. I would hate to think that that's all there is. That's not all there is, friend. There's heaven. Hallelujah. There's an eternity. How do I know this? Because I read the book. Praise God. Right? So I don't believe some of the things that are put out by politicians today and by the media. and Because I've already read the book. I, I know how this thing's going to end. Amen. Amen. So, so we go back to the Bible. We, that's, that's, we'll talk about this. Um, that's where we get our hope at. But we'll talk about that in another teaching. But we say a woman, when she's uh, pregnant, she's expecting. What, what does that mean? She's, she's, some, she's expecting something to happen. Amen. You know, you see a woman, I mean, she's out to here, you know, and uh, we, we've had, I mean, we, we had a, we had a, we had a, such a great harvest in our nursery the last, what, five years? I mean, you know, I'd like to think we built onto the sanctuary, but we didn't. We built onto the nursery. Now, they're coming in the sanctuary sometime, right? All right. So now my point is, is, is you see a woman out here and, and she, you, you don't talk to her and she, and she says, well, I, I think I'm pregnant. You know, I hope I am, you know, natural hope. I hope I am. And, you know, we'll see. No, they're already thinking about names, aren't they? You know, and today you can find out more than you could in our day. I mean, you just got surprised. Whatever it was, it was. You had to keep it. Amen, right? And so, you know, maybe you didn't really want that, but, you know, here you go. You got it. Well, well take it home. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like a friend of mine, he was preaching about, uh, about adoption, about us believers being adopted, adopted, you know. And I remember Randy used to tell our, our sister that she was adopted when she was little. And she would cry, I'm adopted. Like, that's a bad thing. Listen, if you were adopted, somebody actually chose you. Somebody looked you over and said, I'll take you. With me, they just got what came out. You see what I'm saying? So really, you're in higher cotton than I was. I just, they were just stuck with me. They, they picked you. Amen. Amen. But that, that word hope means to have the, 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 you know, the head extended, the neck stretched out like you're looking for something. You ever had some kind of package coming and you really wanted it 
And every, you man, you're listening for the UPS guy, the FedEx guy. And I mean, you're, you know, every truck comes, and, you know, and you know, you hear that truck and you, you get excited and you run to the window and no, it's just a trash truck. But you still got that expectation. Something's coming. See, that's, that's what real hope is. Look at Romans chapter 4. Let me show you this in the Bible. There's a huge difference between natural hope. You know, like you, sometimes you'll hear Christians say, we're just hoping and praying. Well, it really depends, depends on how you define hope. <clears throat> but let's look here in Romans chapter 4. Anybody remember Abraham? What's he famous for? Father of, of, of the nations, of, many multi, of a multitude. He's famous because him and Sarah had a child when he was 100 and she was 90. Well, that'll make you famous. I'm not sure if I was 90, I'd really want to do that. If I was 100, I saw this actor the other day. He's like 80-something. He's, had, he's had a, he just had a kid. I'm thinking, man, you're stupid. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> All right. Praise God. Forgive me, Lord. All right. But they're famous because why? They had, they had, a, they had a child in their old age. It was all supernatural, right? Wasn't it? Think about it. She couldn't have, she couldn't have a child when she was 30. Could she? And, but Abraham could. Abraham could have fathered children because he did with Hagar, Ishmael, right? But did you know there came to a place where he couldn't either? She couldn't and he couldn't. God waited till she couldn't and he couldn't. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't know this for sure, but from the time God told them that they were going to have a child to the time they had the child was 25 years. And I'm not so sure, I can't prove this, but I'm not so sure they didn't slow the process down a little bit by trying to help God out with that Hagar thing. And I'm not so sure sometimes we don't slow the process down a little bit by trying to help God out instead of just trusting Him to do it. You know, you get old like that, you know, you begin to think, well, maybe God didn't mean He was going to do it this way because now I'm older. But let me just tell you something about God. God can do more in five minutes than you can in 50 years. Because that devil will run that by you. He'll run that by you every now and then. If you're getting older like Pastor Chuck, he'll run that by you every now and then. Because he's a year older than I am. He'll run that by you that, you know, hey, you don't have that much time left to complete the plan of God that God gave you. Well, let me just say this to you. If God wants to do it in the last three years, what's that to me? Right? I mean, I'm going to live forever anyway. And so, you know, it's just like when, when Jesus said to uh, Peter how he was going to die. He said, you know, when, you, when you're young, you went where you wanted to go. You did whatever you wanted to do. He said, but when you get older, someone's going to take you someplace you don't want to go. Signifying by what death he was going to die. And the first thing Peter said was, what about him? What about John? And the Lord said, well, that's really none of your business. If I want him to live till I come back, that's none of your business. You just follow me. But the devil will run that by you and say, well, you're just getting old. Well, that's, it, the devil, it's none of your business how old I am. There's two things you men got to learn. Never ask a woman how old she is. Never use the word large and woman in the same sentence. 
You know, there was a study I, t I told the church uh, the other day where I was at. I, there, there was this recent study came out. Maybe you heard about it. You might have heard about it. But this study, you know, I always do all kinds of studies. You know that? And we pay for them. But there was a study that came out that women that put on weight live longer than men who mention it. It's true. Amen. Now, did you, did, <laughs> did, you find, did you find Romans chapter 4, verse 18? The Bible talks, now listen, up. we told Abraham was famous for having a child, that the son of promise, amen, through whom the Messiah came through. Verse 18, it says, talking about Abraham, who against hope, this is the King James, Oh, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Now, what does it mean, who against hope, or some translate contrary to hope, believed in hope? Well, obviously, as you read that, it's talking about two different kinds of hope. In other words, Abraham didn't have any natural hope. Listen, when you're, when you're uh, at a certain age, your hope is gone in some areas of ha like having children. It's gone. I mean, if a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman get in the prayer line today and say, Pastor, agree with us that we're going to have, uh, you know, a, uh, a child. You know, I'm just going to graciously say, Pastor Chuck, Pastor Jerry, come up here and pray for this couple, will you? Because let me know, there is no natural hope. Abraham had zero natural hope. But yet, because even though he didn't have any hope, he, he believed in hope. He got a hold of another hope. There was another kind of hope. It's Bible hope. And it's based on the promises of God. I was listening to back in uh, the mid-teens, 2015, I don't know when it was now for sure. Might have been 2016. I, I don't remember now. But it was back, in that, back, that, back then. Um, no, I think it's back farther than that. It, was back, it had to be back farther than that. There was a there was a presidential candidate, and his he was running on the mantra of hope and change, hope and change. And so I'm listening to this. I'm, I think I was out for a run, and I'm listening. I've got my ear, ear my earphones in, you know, and I'm going for a run, or, and I'm listening to this conservative commentator on the radio, and he's saying hope doesn't do anything. Hope doesn't do anything. And so this preacher calls in and he tells him, well, you're wrong. And he begins talking about what the Bible says about hope. Well, this commentator didn't dismiss it, but you got one here that's saying hope doesn't do anything. Another one that says hope brings change. And they're talking about this, and I'm thinking, you know, if I could call in, I could, because they're both kind of, you know, disagreeing with one another. And I think if I could call in, I could straighten this whole thing out, because the commentator is right and the preacher is right. Natural hope doesn't do anything. It's just wishful thinking. I hope that would change. Well, I mean, it's better than being, you know, gloomy all the time, for sure. But it doesn't have any power, spiritual power. But Bible hope, which is based on the Word of God, changes things. Amen. It can cause something to happen on the inside of you first. Amen. Where it puts a smile on your face, a dance in your feet, 
joy in your heart. Hallelujah. A light in your eyes because you got some hope now. And it's not based on wishful thinking. It's not based on what the world can produce. It's based on the Word of God. It's based on God Almighty. And so there is a huge difference between natural hope and spiritual hope. Huge difference. Amen. Bible hope's not just wishful thinking. Bible hope's an extreme expectation of good. It's expectation. Everybody say expectation. See, if you don't have expectation of good, it's not Bible hope. Now, many times, like I said, I've been at this a long time. You, you'll hear people say, well, I'm just hoping and praying. Pastor, I'm hoping and praying. I'm hoping and praying. Well, I hope that your hope is not just natural hope. Because if it is, you better do a lot more praying. You better get a hold of some biblical hope. See, the Bible, listen, <clears throat> how many know Jesus is coming back? Did you know the Bible calls his return the blessed hope? I mean, we're not just wishing he'd come back. I'm not just worldly hoping he'll come back. I've got an extreme expectation that he's coming back. And, you know, he gave us signs, didn't he? Signs of his return. And you say, well, you know, it's like one guy said, well, I've been seeing, you know, they've been talking about him coming back for 50 years. Well, he's 50 years closer. I had a supernatural, I've told you about this. I don't make these things up. I don't have these very often. But I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord in 1972. Some of you weren't even alive then. Some of you won't admit you were. But 1972, I had a supernatural experience with God. A, a, a supernatural experience where in this, it was like a vision and I saw him, I was on the football field in our town. We just, you know, we lived in a small town at the time. We had a high school, you know, and then back behind high school was our football field where we got beat at football every Friday night. Occasionally we'd eke one out, praise God. Hey, we were real big losers. And then one, one of my friends, uh, you know, he, 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 uh, he was really, really, really good. And uh, he was our, he was, uh, he became, once he, when he came along, our, our school was just noted for losing in football. We just get slaughtered, you know, every, I don't, you know, we just went out and ran around, tried not to get hurt. And, uh, but he was really good, man. He was like, you, you, he was, we, well, he was, he was one of my best friends in high school. Well, after high school, he was one of my best friends and uh, we became really close and uh, but he was, he was our, he was our, they had, in those days they had what they called fullbacks. You know, you don't see that much on football anymore, but they had halfback, fullback. And his, we called him Bubba. That wasn't his name, but we called him Bubba. And so Bubba could get like seven of the other guys on him and he still keep running. It, you just couldn't hardly bring him down. And at one time he was like number three in the state in rushing. And so when he, when he played for the two or three years he played, whatever it was, we had winning record. All because of him. I mean, really, I don't know why the rest of the team dressed out. We just need Bubba. Just give him the ball because you can't tackle him, you know. And, um, but anyway, I was out on this football field, and I saw Jesus from his waist up. He just filled the sky. And, and you know, like John said in Revelation, his voice is like the sound of many waters. That's exactly what it sounded like to him. That's the best way I can describe his voice. He just said one sentence. He said, I'm coming back soon. That was the end of it. Nothing else. No deep revelations. No, no, no instructions. Just, I'm coming back soon. 
Well, that was 1972. What is that? Is that, what, 51 years? Is that right? 51 years? 51 years ago. Why did he even tell me that? Well, I didn't know at the time. I didn't realize I'd be a preacher in the end times. I had no idea in 1972 I was going to be a preacher. I was, you know, I was headed for drugs, all that, rebellion and everything. But he knew that when I got in my 20s, I'd get born again, start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'd be here for the end times. I'm here to tell you I saw Jesus. No, no, I didn't see him like, like I see you, but I saw him in vision form. And he told me he's coming back soon. Yes. So I don't care what anybody else says. He's coming back soon. And, and see all the signs that he talked about? When you really read that, he said these are the beginning, the King James says these are the beginning of sorrows. That word sorrows means birth pains. Well, I mean, when a woman's pregnant, I mean, she's un uncomfortable along the way. <coughs> Isn't that right? You know, I've seen some of them. I think, man, they need prayer. They just look uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I've, I've never had a baby. And I'll tell you something else. Men never will. Never has been one, had one yet. Never will, because that's not the way God made it. You can put lipstick on a pig, and it's still a pig. You can put lipstick on a man, he's still a man. I don't care if you like that or not. It just happens to be the biology, the facts. And it's about time we, we help these dear people with their mental problems instead of trying to fix their bodies that don't need fixed. So now they've got a messed up body and a messed up mind. And then later on in life... Probably not too far away, after they mess their body up, they're going to really regret that. And I'm not going to be accomplice in it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, back to the message. He said, I'm coming back soon. Well, I'm not just hoping he's coming back. Listen, he's coming back. You know, Paul said this. He talked to the church at Thessalon Thess the Thessalonians. He said, you know, because some of their loved ones had died. And somebody's preaching some stuff like the resurrection's already taken place. And Paul said, no, don't listen to those people. There were people preaching goofy things back in Paul's day. And he said, we, listen, he said, we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. We got hope. Yes. See, if my, if, if my, now if they're not believers and they die, then uh, there's just not much we can say about that. But you just keep going, going on, Right? Right. right? Maybe every one of us have had family members that maybe they didn't accept the Lord. I don't know. I mean, I've had some that right at the last minute. I mean, right at the last, last hours that did. So thank God for that. Amen. 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 But I'll tell you something. You know, if, we, if, a, if we're believers and we know the truth and somebody in our family that's a believer dies, man, it's just see you later, alligator. After all, crocodile. Pardon my corn. But anyway, how many know we're going to see each other again? Because that's what the Bible teaches. Hallelujah. So we don't have to sorrow. They went to a better place. They got promoted. Won't be long till I'll be over there with you. Or Jesus will be back. Because he said when he comes back, he's going to bring those with him that already have already died in Christ. So, so, I mean, that's not just wishful thinking. That is, that, that is an extreme expectation, right? I've got loved ones. I've got, I've got family members that have gone on and friends that have gone on. And I'm not just hoping I'll see them again, like natural hope. I'm hoping Bible hope I'll see them again. I'm extremely expecting to see them again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And when I do see them again, they're going to look better than they did the last time I saw them. Amen. I can't prove this, but I just believe when I get to heaven, I'm going to look like 35-year-old Clark uh, Gable. Some of y'all, that went way over your head. Yeah, I have no idea who he is. Google it. Hallelujah. I don't know too many modern movie stars. I'm, I don't watch modern movies. They're too filthy for me. But anyway, you do what you want. I don't watch them. I, I watch old stuff. All right, go to Hebrews 11. Come on, are you with me this morning? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 11. We're just talking about Bible hope versus natural hope. There's a huge difference. The world doesn't really have, you know, listen, just think about this. If you don't know the Lord, what kind of hope do you have? I mean, the world's getting, is not getting, I started saying the world's getting messed up. How many have noticed it's not, it already got there? It's not getting that way. It's there. I mean, listen, people today are delusional. Delusional. Do you know what my dad would have done to me in 1965 or 60, 66, you know, 64? If I'd have went into the women's bathroom and steak and shake, he would have adjusted that really quick. Now, I did go into the women's bathroom. What was that restaurant I went to the women's bathroom? It's here in town. Zagsby's, yeah. You know, they just built, you know. It was just open, you know, just, and I'm, I'm going to go in there and try their chicken out, you know. So I come flying in there, you know, I got to use the restroom, you know, and, and I'm not paying any attention, which is not unusual. <laughs> and, you know, they have on their door roosters and hens. Well, all I saw was the hens. I thought it said men's. I fling that door open. And this was during the height of that bathroom controversy when it started coming out, when it started hitting the news, you know. I fling that door open and walk in there like I own the place. My first thought was, man, there's no urinals here. This is weird. So I go to a stall, you know. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but anyway. I'm in a stall and I'm thinking, I'll bet I'm in the wrong bathroom. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hope nobody comes in. Thankfully, thankfully, it didn't make the news. Pastor goes in the wrong bathroom. I got out before anybody came in there. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, you know, and that, that, that was kind of a miracle for me, you know, like the parting of the Red Sea. Because, you know, on that day, you know how Evansville is when a new restaurant opens. You, you might as well just drive around it for, 40, for 45, 50 days till it thins out. You know, when that one opened over there, that new one, it's been open for a while. What, what's the name of that? It's over there on, uh, that narrows it down. It's over on uh, Burkhart. That narrows it quite, down quite a bit. Not Bubba's. There's another one. Drake's. We tried to go in there twice, and they're like 45 minutes. Wait, I said, man, I don't, I'm not waiting 45 minutes for a hamburger. You've got to be kidding me. I had to wait. I finally got in there. But, but, so it, it was like, thank you, Jesus. Nobody came in. All right, moving right along. You find Hebrews? Sorry. Right. <laughs> Hebrews 11, verse 1. Listen, listen to this. Now, faith, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So faith gives substance to things that are hoped for. What if you don't hope for anything? Faith doesn't have anything to do. Right? right? Faith, in other words, faith, listen, faith and hope go together. I'm talking about Bible hope. Everybody say Bible hope. Bible. Faith gives substance to hope. In other words, you've got to have some expectation that things are going to, something's going to happen. See, without, without, if you don't get this, 
See, a lot of people think they have a faith problem, and then what they got is they got a hope problem. They're not expecting anything. Not expecting anything. Not expecting any change. See, faith gives substance to things that are hoped for. If, if you don't have any hope, if you don't have any expectation, your faith will swivel up and die. See, what, remember the, the Bible said, it was, it's in Proverbs 29, I believe 18. It says, without a vision, people perish. Remember that scripture? See, the word vision, you know, it means they, they, they're seeing something. They have a hope. Just like that, just like that, that she was a young lady at the time. She probably still is. I guess I better say that in case you would see this. Uh, just like that young couple that were believing for kids went and put a nursery in their house. Well, they're giving faith a job to do. See what I'm saying? See, I like to compare it like this. Faith is like the thermostat on the wall. Or excuse me, hope is like the thermostat on the wall. Faith is like the furnace in the basement. You come into your house and it's 60 degrees, and you want it 70, you tell that thermostat, I want 70. What does the thermostat do? It tells the furnace what it wants, right? See, if you don't have that telling the furnace what to do, the furnace is not doing anything. But if you have that up there, it's calling for something, right? I don't know why you guys confess, because we're calling for something. That's why. We're calling for something. We're expressing our hope. What is our hope? Now, once again, Bible hope is an extreme expectation of good. I'm expecting things to change. Now my faith is going to go to work. Amen. 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 So, so you have to, you, you, see, it's just like this. You know, people, people say, well, you know, I, I'm just trusting God. Well, trusting God for what? See, you can try to use faith without hope and it doesn't work. They go together. See, you don't have any gold. You don't have any vision. Your faith will rise to the level of your vision. See, if you have a vision, what's a vision? That means I've, I've, got something, I've got something in my heart. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant with something. Until you get that, the word will not germinate in your life. You've got to have that expectation. I fed, I fed myself on the promises of God until I became pregnant. How many know? You understand how to get pregnant, right? We're all adults in here. The kids are in children's church. <laughs> Amen. They don't know, and I don't think they need to know. Why? Because they're not going to do it yet. So I don't know why our schools are trying to teach them something they shouldn't be doing. Let the parents do that. When it's time. That's just the way I feel about it. You know, I mean, listen to all these dads. I don't want to tell them. Well, normally they find out without you telling them. But still, the point is, it's not the school's job to tell them how, how sex works. You're a kindergartner. You're first grade. You're second grade. You're not even supposed to know you can do that yet. Right? I remember when I found out how, how that happened. A bunch of us boys were standing around in grade school talking about it, and one of our friends knew. He told us how it happened. And one of my other friends said, that's gross. That's the way it's supposed to be for a while. Girls got cooties. Amen. Come on, all you men. This is Father's Day. You got daughters? Come on. I'm just telling you, man, make sure the guy's spiritual if he's going to date your daughter. When he comes to the door, just speak in tongues. 
say, interpret that. If you can't, get out of here. Hallelujah. Make them really nervous. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell this. I need to get going here. Let me see here. I'm going to tell it. Praise God. <laughs> you know, how many remember James Randolph being here? Dr. Barclay's son-in-law. Well, you know, I mean, Dr. Barclay is a, 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 a highly skilled marksman. He was a Marine vet. Uh, he trained Marine recruits. He was a drill sergeant. He still got that on him even though he's 70 years old. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to mess with him. He may be 70, but I'm sure he'd take me out pretty quickly. He knows some things I don't know about hand-to-hand combat. And so, you know, James, his son-in-law, you, you have to understand. See, James told his testimony, so I'm not gossiping about him, all right? James went to prison for 10 years over things. His goal was, this is, not a, this is not a joke. This is the kind of person James was. His goal was when he got out of prison he was, for a living, he was going to be a hit man. I'm serious. That's what, that's what he was going to do once he got out of that 10-year stand in prison is he was going to kill people for a living. Now, you can't hardly, you, it's hard to believe because he is such a sweet, gentle, nice person today, isn't he? I mean, he's so sweet. So if you, don't, maybe you don't know him, but you don't know this. But those of you that know him and got to spend a little time with him when he was here preaching, I mean, I've known James for years. He's one of the kindest, gentlest people you would ever want to meet. He's always caring and loving and wants to make sure you're all right. And I'm thinking, this is the guy that wanted to kill you? For money? I mean, I'm thinking about, if I'd known James before he saved, he would have take, taken me out for 5000 so he, he, get, he gets out of prison. He gets born again. He, I think he got born again in prison, if I remember right. He gives his life to the Lord. He's really on fire for God. Now he wants to date Dr. Barclay's daughter. And I mean, right the bat, Dr. Barclay says, that's not happening. But, you know, your little girl has a way, especially when she's old enough to be married. I'm not talking, she wasn't young. She was in her 20s, I think. They got a way, to, they got a way of wearing on you. And so finally, he, I'll have a talk with him. So he takes him out the woods, and Dr. Barclay's got his gun with him. James is thinking, this is not looking good. <laughs> but everything worked out. Praise God. Amen. Now, I don't even know why I told you that story. But anyway, praise the Lord. We're on stories today. Is that all right? Go with me in your Bible to Mark. We're closing here. I hope you got something today. I'll make it fast with this scripture. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Let's go there. I'm just talking to you the difference between Bible hope and natural hope. There's a big difference. Natural hope's just wishful thinking. I, I, we say, I hope things will change. Bible hope means I have a promise. I'm, I'm expecting things to change. I'm expecting things to get better. I'm waking up every day. The Bible calls God a God of hope. So if He's a God of hope, how many know we should be people of hope? We should wake up every day. This could be the day when it all manifests. Is that right? You know. Now, you know, I had to repent over some things about our church one time. And I'm still working on it. But, you know, we should, we should wake up. We should come every Sunday morning. This will be the day when we've got to go look for a new building. Amen. Are you with me now? Amen. See, the outpouring's coming. But, you know, the Lord had to get on to me. He said, well, I, you know, one, thing, one problem with your church, he says, you don't want it to grow. 
And I said, well, I know that. You know, I'm, I mean, the more people, more trouble. <laughs> the Lord said, you need to quit that. Don't tell me ever, he's never rebuked you. But, you know, you can get comfy and say, hey, I got a good group of people. I love them. They're great. You know, hey. But you, that's, not what, that's not God's plan. Help me know that. God wants us to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, dip, disciple them. Amen? And as far as I know, there's still creatures in Evansville. And there's still some that need to be saved in Evansville just by looking at the news. It kind of looks like that. Are you with me now? Now look at this. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 says, A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many, everybody say many, many things of many physicians and had spent all, listen now, all that she had. She's broke now. Obviously, she's a woman of wealth. She's been feeding the doctors for 12 years. Now she's spent it all trying to get better. She was nothing better but got worse. How many can believe that all hope for this woman was gone in the natural? But I want to show you something. Verse 27 says, when she heard of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. So I didn't have any hope, but when I heard the word of God. Are you with me now? See, I didn't know all the things I know. Of course I did not being saved. But when I got saved and I got, I got to reading the Bible, I got to reading what other, listen to other people preach, I got to reading other people's books that were based on the Word of God, and I found out what God had promised me in His Word. Are you telling me hope rose high inside of me? Man, I spend my time, I used to be sick a lot before I was saved, but man, once I found out the Lord would heal me, praise God, I've got, I don't got a care in the world. Hallelujah. Now look, look at this. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. For she said, I mean, she said something, didn't she? If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. The Amplified Bible says she kept saying this. Well, how I many know she heard of Jesus? Well, when she heard of when she listen now, think about this. When she heard of Jesus, it wasn't the day that he showed up. We don't know when she heard of Jesus. It might have been weeks before he came by her way. Right? But she'd heard about him. She's thinking about it. She's meditating on it. She's saying this over and over. If I can touch his clothes, I'm going to be held. See, she didn't just say this. Well, she said this for days probably. Is anybody following what I'm saying? See, the, from the time she heard, from the time he showed up in her town, could have been a long time. Could have been weeks. Could have been months. Could have been a year. But this woman, she's held on to her faith. Why? Because here's what happened. She, she'd done, she had gone to every doctor she could go to. Everything she could possibly do, nothing better, spent all she had, all hope was gone. But when she heard of Jesus, there was another kind of hope came. Amen. There was Bible hope came. And she said in verse 28, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway a fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, Turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you're asking who touched you? In other words, everybody's bumping into you. But see, somebody touched him differently. And he looked around about to see who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling. See, she's fearing and trembling because she's not supposed to be in public. And she realizes she could be stoned for this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He said unto her, Daughter, hallelujah. She's the daughter of Abraham. Your faith. Listen now. Not, now listen now. 
How many know virtue went out of him, right? Healed her. But he didn't, he didn't say my power made you whole, did he? He emphasized her faith. Because why? That's what caused the power to go out. See, when you bring a new refrigerator home, you don't emphasize the power. Oh, we got power. Oh, we got power. Oh, we got... No, you plug it in. You can talk about the power. You expect the power to be there. God's power is present. You just got to plug in. And she plugged in. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Don't worry about it because you're out in public with an issue of blood. Be whole of your plague. What I want you to see by that as we close out is this. Once she got a hold of Bible hope, true Bible hope, real Bible hope, based on the promises of God, her faith went to work. Hope gives faith something to do. Hallelujah. One of these teachings, I'll spend some time talking about how we get hope from the Word. Amen. But I'm telling you, man, over the years, Jill, you can go ahead and come up. Over the years, I don't know how many things, deliverances and things I've seen God do. You know, provisions, healings, miracles. I mean, just, you know, verifiable things. But it all comes back because the person got a hold of Bible hope. Hallelujah. You know, listen, I don't care where you're at. I mean, nothing's too hard for God, is it? I mean, you know, there's a guy. He, I think he's still alive. I've told you about this guy before. You can look him up online if you want. If you want to check it out. His name is Ronnie Cohen. Cohen would mean he's Jewish. You know, he's, he's, that last name Cohen is a Jewish name. And uh, I forget how it happened now. It's been years since I've, I've heard. But he had one of his eyes put out. I mean, lost the whole eye, you know. And uh, God did a miracle for him, and he can read out of that eye that's not there. Well, I guess I shouldn't say he can read out of that. He can read out of that socket. Now, listen up. You can could, you could all check this out. I mean, I imagine you could, I know you'll Google and find him, but you probably could find, you might even find the video of this, I don't know, on, online. But he was on, there used to be years ago, uh, a show, Primetime, called That's Incredible. Anybody remember that show? Well, Ronnie was on that show one night. Now, Ronnie's a spirit-filled believer. He, he's a, I, I, he, I think he's an evangelist. And, uh, you know, he's a preacher. And so they have him on the program. That's incredible, you know. And so they want to check this, this phenomenon out, you know. And so he, he wore a glass eye. He had a glass eye that he, he always put in. And he's on the show, and they cover up his good eye because he would do this in churches. I mean, he would travel around. Anybody know who I'm talking about? You know him? All right, you know him? Yeah. Uh, he would travel around churches, Ronnie would, and, and he would do that to show what God had done for him, the miracle God had done for him. Well, it wasn't just a miracle God did for him. It's a continual miracle. And so they would cover his eye up. And on the show, that's incredible. They covered his eye up, put a card out there, and uh, he read that thing with, his, with that glass eye. And I remember the host saying, that's something you can read out of that glass eye. And he goes, I don't need the glass eye. He pulls it out. He read it without anything. He says, it's not the glass eye. I just put the glass. That's, that's for cosmetics. Well, how many think if God could do that, he could probably take care of your problem? Amen. I, I don't know if Ronnie's still alive now, but he used to travel around churches and, and, and give God glory for what he did. 
And the world, you know, hey, how the world is, it's like they're not going to give God glory. Like, wow, this is some kind of phenomenon. No, it's, a, it's God. The man's a ser- he's a servant of God. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. Stand up, everybody. Thank God for his word. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.